there. Hi, Welcome back to the, the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we like to discuss things that have to do with young adult ministry here. We usually are going through a book of the Bible. Yeah. And really diving into how that relates to young adults. And this is a special episode. So if you like what you hear and you want to talk to us, you can reach us a lot of different ways. There's social media accounts that we've got, the Yamcast or yamcastpod at gmail.com. We would love to have a follow-up episode months down the road. Months and months. Months. So we'll talk to you soon. That was real loud in my ears. Yeah, we're in a different studio setup because we have a different episode. Yeah. We do. We do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still still trying to get my hearing back. Um, yeah. So we are going to be doing things a little differently. We're still going to be going through Hosea, but we're going to have other conversations interspersed yeah. throughout. Which so this seems is our first one. weird if you followed us that we would have other conversations that don't involve the book we're studying. That never happens. Correct. No, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you were coming like, oh, ready for the next episode of Hosea. Nope, not today. We're going to talk about Christianity and culture and stuff like that, right? Yeah, modernizing things a bit. Yeah. You know? So this is Erica's brainchild. She's excited about this episode. She put the concept together and wrote some questions down. And then we invited in a, a special guest, a friend. Yes. Which you've heard him before on this podcast. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah. He's a significant individual in both of our lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll get to him in a little bit. Quite a, quite a man of wisdom. <laughs> We're just saying things at this point to try to get a reaction out of him. But he, I will say, he is so focused, he is waiting until his moment to shine mm-hmm. before he says anything. So when the time comes, it's Mark Balmer, our, our lead pastor, and uh, the guy who, you know, discipled me and was our youth pastor when yes, we were younger yeah. kids. So we have a lot to, uh, to thank him for. But we're not going to do that because that would be too self-aggrandizing. And so we're not going to build him up because <laughs> we are afraid of how that might affect his pride and arrogance for the rest of his life. He's nodding. Yes, he is. So, uh, Erica, take it away. We're just going to respond to your questions. Yeah. So we're living in an interesting time. We hear that our religious liberties are, are, are at stake and we see things that are going against the Bible being widely accepted. We hear that we are a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. So like, what is going on? And we're not really sure how to take it and where we go from here. Do we continue to fight for our freedoms and liberties? How should we be seeing our nation from a biblical worldview? And like, how do we move forward with that? And these are all questions that we're grappling with and we're, we're going to discuss further in this episode. I mean, I don't know if the listeners feel this way, but yeah, I feel like we in today's day and age, are just confused about what is going on in our culture. And we're going to spend some time diving into that today. So, Right. And specifically, we're talking to our, our American listeners. I'm, we're looking forward to the international listeners we're going to have years from now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you're listening to this and you're like, this does not fit our culture at all. We're talking specifically about American culture in 2021. But I do think that this is indicative of where the West has gone over the last 200 yeah. years. And so this is a really fun conversation that we're excited to have, both from a biblical mindset and then also some adding some historical aspects to it too. So, yeah. So to kind of start this discussion, we're going to start from the beginning of our of our nation. It's a very so good place to start. Any of you that were freaking out that we're starting back to like 
Genesis. We're just starting to the beginning of our nation. So just a couple hundred years ago. I was one of those who was excited. You about were it. you were like, oh yes, let's go all the way back. Um, <laughs> so we're really just gonna yeah be diving into was our country founded on Christian principles? Like, what is a Christian nation? What would that even mean? So, yeah, those are the first couple of questions. Yeah. So throwing that out, uh, let me tee off on that first and just kind of jump in. So I think our, our country was definitely founded on a Judeo-Christian concept. I think the overall ideal was you had people fleeing religious persecution from Europe who were coming here, any number of reasons. And as they set, it, you know, set up and settled here, they were looking for a country that was going to you know, allow them to worship freely. Uh, the vast majority of them coming from a Christian perspective, whether it was Catholic or some of the versions of Protestantism. So, you know, the Baptists set up in Rhode Island, or you've got, um, you know, a number of other dispersed denominations all around the Northeast and then all the way down the, the coast. But every one of them was really looking for having a, a nation that allowed them to freely worship God in the way that they felt he should be worshiped. And so a lot of the potential and the things that we were looking for here was, was that. So I would say, yes, in some way we were founded on Christian principles. Whether we were a Christian nation off the bat, I think the vast majority of people were Christians. But I don't know that the founding fathers were necessarily hoping to create a Christian nation. They were hoping to create a nation that allowed people to worship the way they wanted to worship, which in some ways, ironically, almost makes it harder for us to stay, quote unquote, Christian, if that's what we're aiming for. So but we'll get into that later. What do you think, Mark? Welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here, and it was great to hear from the great historian, Chris Stukenberg. Oh, always, always insightful. Apparently, we've begun a war without <laughs> realizing it. <laughs> so, you know, I think what's important is that we got to be a little bit careful with the Christian nation concept because, you know, unlike our, you know, our our biblical ancestry where you had Israel as God's nation. I don't think we get to claim that we're God's nation, and we certainly don't identify ourselves that way in a holistic sense. So I think we got to be careful about that. And, you know, the whole, you know, a lot of Christians get riled up about prayer in schools, prayers taken out of school, and all those sort of things. And, and yeah, I, I think people should be praying in school. The question is, do you want that mandated and what would be the downsides of, of mandated so spinning it all the way around and saying right. this is a christian nation every every prayer must or every class in school must say this prayer at the beginning and all that stuff that that could uh, actually have a, a counterintuitive or you know a, a, an mm -hmm. opposite reaction to what we actually want because we want people to genuinely own their faith and then if that becomes sort of the standard then you're going to have people that just rebel against that just because it is the standard so that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it. So I'm not one of those people that's real. Everybody's got, you know, we got to have prayer in school. Yes, I would hope that our Christians are praying in school. Do I need it top down? I don't think so, which is an interesting thing that maybe people don't think about in the same way um, when they look at those kind of issues. There's so much going on here. I mean, you talk about a Christian nation. One of the key questions then is who defines morality? Mm. Um, and now, right now, the reason things are so nuts in our culture is because you got everybody telling you what morality is, um, whether they know anything about the Word of God, which is the ultimate standard of it, or not. And so now 
you have all these fights uh, over different issues. This is right, and this is right, and that's not right. And um, which you know we who are Christians are going back. Uh, this is not that hard. It's all laid out for us. Um, but it's interesting, you know. You think about the, the the fights and battles that there have been as it pertains to. Um, Ten Commandments being uh, removed from courthouses or things like that. Um, so when we talk about that, we, we, you know, America has been a Christian nation. That's why it says to God we trust or in God we trust. And that's why, you know, we have that kind of verbiage. But now we're really they're seeing a lot more evidence of that this is not a nation that, you know, holds the one true God as their God. And it's starting to show up in different ways. Even, you know, if I were older, let's just, you know, let's so like, just go with me on this. Like mid-30s. Go with me on this. Yeah, if I were, if I were older, um, <laughs> I, I would remember a time where I, there was no such thing as, as practice right. or a program on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. You would never do any sport activity for, for like, schools. On, on, a, on a Sunday. It just didn't happen. Why? That was the Lord's Day. Everybody went to church. It's just what you did. Uh, Wednesday nights, that was prayer meeting. That was family night. You, you, didn't, you didn't have to worry about that. You didn't have to worry about conflicting things where, um, it, but now it's totally different. Everything's, everything's fair game and, and it's not a priority. That's kind of the, one of the ways you see it. But even the, you just see it in a change, even in those who are Christian. I grew up at a time, if I were, if I were my age, um, that's a sentence where, right there. Where, where Christians, you know, they went, you went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. You just did, and it wasn't. And that was, I was a pastor's son, so I mean, obviously, we were there for everything, but so were so was everybody else. There wasn't such a thing. You didn't see a vastly different group of people that came on a Sunday night, right. or even on a Wednesday night. There were some, but but even you think about that now. There's been this attrition now, and you know, the generations in between, they went three times a month to church, you know, and now it's down to, what is it, 1.25 yeah. times per, per month is considered average attending. So even you see that even within the Christian community, there's some things that, that have changed along those lines. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about when you put it in that perspective, because it's, it's asking questions of what does Christian mean and what, does that apply then to a nation? So I think the vast majority of people think America is a Christian nation, and I understand why. And part of that is because the, the majority of people in this country claim to follow the Christian God, right? Mm, yeah. So that just leads you down a path of what does that really mean? And so even Barna has difficulty, you know, the great, uh, you know, statisticians of, of the Christian circles. Barna has difficulty even nailing down what is this and what is that. So they'll define evangelical in a certain way, and then they'll find out years later, we defined it that way, but it, it really should have been defined this way or this way, and we add a bunch of other stuff to it. So it's just kind of a weird, weird world that we live in right now in a weird culture. And as you said, there's a number of even Christians, and I don't know if you said it this way, but there's a number of even Christians who don't abide by what we would expect Christianity to abide by which opens up some really weird doorways because then it's like, how wide is this net or how big is the umbrella, whatever word you want to use there. And either way, you end up in this space where it's like, we have invited so many people into this conversation that don't even agree with us on what Christianity looks like. 
it can't stay. It, it's, it can't sustain itself. It's eventually going to have to collapse. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us are looking around our world. I shouldn't even say our world, our nation, and just being fearful, kind of what you're talking about, Mark, with that move from, you know, church and God being a priority and kind of moving into where it's not as much a priority. And so we we look at that and we're fearful and we want to cling to it and we, we don't want to let it go in a sense. But it's really not a new phenomenon, a seemingly Christian nation, quote unquote, becoming not so Christian anymore. Why is that? That's a loaded question. Sure. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Erica. And then, then she backs away and doesn't say a word for this this answer. Thank you. That's really fun. Well, even think of the, you know, the the, the history of Israel and Judah and how you can have it be so right and then be so wrong, and it doesn't take that long for the generations to change. Again, if I were older, and 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 was my age, then I I could kind of just tell you that narrative and see how that happened, and even. In, you know, it wasn't that long ago. The big, the big sin was divorce. You know, and boy, you don't, well, you don't want to be divorced. And in a Christian culture, that would be, you know, that's terrible. And then it, you know, moves into these other things. And now, it, focusing in on on the gender issues and homosexuality, those kinds of things. And, and again, these things are you know, wrong and in, in according to the scripture. But you see how there there is a desensitization that happens. And that's what really, you know, from my perspective, that was that's what concerns me so much in our in our post-Christian or rapidly becoming post-Christian nation is that there's a desensitization to that which is sinful and wrong. You think of the number of programs, whether they're on Netflix or they're on TV or whatever, that are just filled with blatantly sinful things that are presented just as common, as normal, as okay. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just, you know, uh, The Bachelor or whatever always ending with, okay, now you're going to take these three people and sleep with them and now choose one or whatever. And it's just like, oh, you know, that's just supposed to be okay and it's supposed to be normal or or whatever. Or whether it's, you know, the the issues related to the the gender things that are going on. I mean, this is just a phenomenal thing that's happening in our culture. You know, you as as a child, not even old enough to play with matches, but you can choose your gender, and we want to encourage you to find yourself. Like, this is, I mean, this is insane. And, And again, that, just from that perspective of a little bit of time passing, um, because I'm only slightly older than you guys, that little bit of time passing, the, ch- the change in the culture is is drastic. It's incredible, and it's honestly freaky. You know, I, I, I my faith is in the Lord. He's got control. There, there, within this chaos, there's, to me, this glimmer of hope. It's like that light at the end of the tunnel in that I think we Christians have gotten away with not looking different than our culture. Because our culture is quote unquote Christian. So therefore, as long as you're moral and decent and pay your taxes and don't swear too much and that kind of thing, you're you're okay and you're not going to cause a a wave. But we're moving into a culture now where if we live by the word of God and if we abide by it, it is going to cause waves. And, you know, if you have morality, if you have something that guides you other than what culture says and you are willing to abide by that and stand by that, we are going to stand out. That's the upside of a culture that's turning post-Christian, and, and blatantly so, because it will force Christians, those who truly love and follow Jesus Christ, consider them disciples, it will force them into a situation where 
they either got they've got to stand up and shine bright in the <laughs> darkness, or they've got to blend into the darkness and and back away from their faith in, in a cowardly sort of way. And it's fascinating. I mean, because you think about as as all this is is amping up, look at the addiction trends in our culture. It doesn't matter what the addiction is to, whether it's you know a substance or or shopping or consumerism or, or pornography or, or or whatever it is, food food addiction, social media, yeah, all these video games. This all the the country is becoming less and less Christian, and the addictions are just going crazy. Why? Because people are lost. They're helpless. Again offering an opportunity for the light to shine bright in this crazy dark world. Yeah, and I think when we come back to the idea that we're, we're proposing here, you're right, it's not a new phenomenon. This is something that has happened a bunch of times. And what's really interesting is every time someone has tried to set up a nation, quote-unquote, that is Christian— you're almost forcing people who don't fully abide by what you're asking to try to agree to something that's not really necessarily meant to be agreed to on that level. You know, so we talked weeks ago about the Romans sort of making Christianity legal. It was within a generation. They went from just making it legal to actually being incentivized. If you became a Christian, you had certain incentives. So then, therefore, all you had to do is show up at church a few times, and you're officially a Christian, and now you're not going to maybe fight on the front lines, or now you're not going to have to pay taxes in this way, or you're not going to have to do this. And what's weird is this incentivization of Christianity is so separate from what Christ was preaching that it becomes this thing. And so in a Christian nation, for example, you know, Mark, I, I know that you're not old enough to remember this, but back in the day they used to say things like, he's a good Christian man or a good Christian woman. That's why I'm going to use this barber. Or that's why I'm going to use this this person that holds this job or this title or this whatever, merely because they are Christian. And we almost are incentivizing then a faith that for all intents and purposes seems to be what Jesus is saying, that this is not, there's very little incentive. <laughs> you're, you're giving your life up to follow the one who's going to make it nearly impossible. Even though his yoke is easy and his burden is light, it's going to be very, almost impossible to follow him without continually surrendering yourself over and over. And that's really what the New Testament keeps saying. So if we're not asking people to continually surrender themselves, but we're calling ourselves a Christian nation, you see how that, that turns into this really weird situation where now, you know, however many generations down the road we are now, where Christianity used to be the majority, I think we're moving really quickly to where Christianity is not only the, the minority, but we're moving into a hostile majority looking at the minority saying this is ridiculous. And what's so funny is we had power, so to speak, for so long as the Christian church, and we sort of just stamped down things that now those same people are, are getting their revenge on us. And so we're asking for a seat at the table. They're like, you already had it for way too long. You messed us all up. Now we're going to go in this direction. And what I would say as a Christian is, I don't know that the problems that we have in this country are actually Christian. In fact, I would say the individuals might have said they were Christians, but they weren't actually doing Christian things. But we've kind of created this whole this whole ideal culture that doesn't really exist. And so it's just this, it's crazy. And so, no, it's not a new phenomenon. But I also don't know that there's such a thing as a Christian nation. I think there can be a nation full of Christians, which is close to what we had. But even that, I don't know, was nearly the facade that we think it was. Right? I mean, you're, we're finding out stories of grandparents or great-grandparents or other people who had some pretty shady pasts. And now you're looking at it going, oh, maybe it wasn't what I thought it was. 
And so, 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 I, might so I might even make the case that all we've become, become now is who we always really were. The difference is it's just out in the open and everyone's getting a chance to see it, which is beautiful and exciting because it means Christians are hopefully going to be seen for who they really are as well. And those who are following Christ are beacons of light in a really dark age. And everyone's going, whoa, that person's weird. What do they got going on? Well, they're living a moral, upright life that follows the Lord and is humble enough to admit that they make mistakes all the time. And that's really what the gospel is telling us to do, right? Not trust in our own ability or our own righteousness, but Christ and Christ alone. And as we do so, then we're, we're moving in another direction. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think when, we when we talk about, talk about Christians, Christians being the light, the light especially right especially now, now, I think, I think what, ends what ends up happening is we talk about being loud. We talk about being confrontational. We talk about, like, that's... Just like Jesus. Yes, he, you know. And I mean, I was, I mean, I was just sitting here thinking about, I mean, he came into a very hostile government situation. Yeah. And... Obviously, the Israelites were wanting that person to take over government, right? Like to fix it all and and, and, and redeem them from the Romans. And he like rarely talks about government, you know, like he doesn't really talk about it at all. So what are like talking about being the light um, and we, we know we're not supposed to be loud. We know we're not supposed to be causing issues on Facebook. Then what are, what? right? Then That might be alarming for a lot of people I, listening right. to this. Like, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. Yeah. So, so, like, let's open that up a little bit more. Like, what then are some of the pitfalls that come to us as Christians being in this new culture? I'll, I'll start really quickly with one. I am always nervous when Christians have power. Hmm. Because I don't think on this earth, if we're really following the teachings of Jesus, I think that we are supposed to be in some ways surrendering our power, showing people what it looks like to follow in humility. So if that's the case, anytime Christians seize power or have power, I get real nervous real quick. What about you? Yeah, and even where we issue power. So you think of the moral issues of our day. And then you essentially have two choices for your government. We have two choice, two choices for every, for every office or whatever. So, in the most recent presidential election, you got to choose now between these two candidates and find uh, what you believe is the aligns mostly with the Word of God and and helps us maintain a, a Christian nation status or whatever. But the the pitfall here is then trying to lump all of the biblical concepts. Uh, to one candidate, and, and sometimes it's easier with one that more than the other, but you, you take all the issues and you go, well, okay, obviously anybody that's against abortion is, is on our side, and anybody that's for abortion is, is against us, and I, I agree with that. Then you go into other issues. What do we do with the poor? How do we treat them? What do we do with immigrants? Right. And then you go, okay, now the waters are a little bit muddier, and I think a pitfall for us is to, is to think if we just get our candidate in, then we're going to save this nation from, from being post-Christian or it's going to turn the nation around. And, and we saw that with even just the past election, almost people putting sort of a, a messiahship on, <laughs> on a candidate. Like that's, that's scary, especially when we compare the, you know, the lifestyle with that status. And so I think there's a real danger there. Um, you know, it was pretty popular 10, 15 years ago to talk to young people and say, you've got to be world changers. We want you to be world changers for Jesus Christ. And yet you got to go back to Scripture and go, uh, 
the world's not going to change until our Redeemer comes and sweeps through the land and brings judgment on it. So that's why I love the term we use more now, be, be disciple makers. Right. Because that, that brings change in individuals' lives, but it's not this idea that we're going to save the, the nation or save our world completely for Christ because Scripture tells us that that's not how it's going to be. And, and so to have some realistic uh, hopes within it, but also just an understanding of what the goal is um, and... For, uh, for Christians to be a minority, okay, that aligns with Scripture, doesn't it? And for Christians to be not held in the highest regard, well, that certainly aligns with Scripture, too. Right. Um, it's, it's amazing to me um, how the worse, as our culture seems to get worse, uh, logic goes out with it. it you know, where I, sometimes I just want to look at our culture and go, uh, where has common sense gone? It com- seems to be completely gone. But at the same time, um, expecting everybody to agree with us when they're lost, when they're in darkness, is is an unrealistic expectation. But I think the biggest thing we, as we go forward has to be, okay, God, make me a light in a dark time. And... No matter what comes, may we stand, may we be found faithful, may we be ones who direct people back toward hope and toward a light and love in Christ, even when a culture is just going down quick. And when I was, and when I was a kid, the, one of the phrases that kept getting used to us was, be a Daniel, be a Daniel, go be a Daniel. But now that some of us are actually being pushed in the lion's den, we're freaking out. <laughs> and I'm going, we, we've been talking about this for decades. I was, you know, it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I started hearing this phrase, be a Daniel, you know, be, be strong and courageous in the midst of it. And those same people now are flipping out that laws are being passed that don't align with biblical worldview. And I'm going, did you not read the book of Daniel? It, mostly what makes Daniel a Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being who they are is they're looking at a really corrupt regime that they have virtually no control over and saying, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Burn me up. Finish me off. Whatever you need to do here to fix this, do your thing. I don't care what you're saying. I'm following my God and my God alone. And I don't know why we're not having that reaction to things right now, as opposed to trying to alert all of the Christians of, this is the law that's about to get passed. We need to make sure that all of your representatives know it. Well, I don't know about you, but some of the representatives that are in my state here in Illinois have no desire to listen to what my voice is. I, I, I'm not number two in the land. I'm not Daniel in that sense. But yet when that law gets passed and I get thrown in jail, if I sit in jail and whine the whole time that, well, if we wouldn't have lost our religious freedoms, we'd be just fine. Mm-hmm. You're not Daniel at that point. Like what Daniel's doing is sitting down there just going, God, I, I, you're going to use this? I don't know how. Shut the mouths of the lions. Get me ready to go and... and you know, when Nebuchadnezzar wakes up the next morning and sees he's still alive, like, holy cow, this is great. Or was it Darius? Darius. Yeah, you're right. Later king, whatever. Nice job, biblical scholar. Okay. <laughs> so so right does here. this help? I mean, that's kind of where I think that question's yeah. taken it. And I, that's what I'm really struggling through is the people who have been saying be strong and courageous are the people who are most right now freaking out going, we're losing everything. And I'm going, whoa, Daniel is post-exilic. I mean, this is a serious problem that he's dealing with. And his, his standard, his stature is to say, God's in control, I'm totally in. 
And I'd rather have that attitude right now if things are really going to pot. All that to say, yes, we should still have a voice. We're still trying to have a voice. We're telling people, you know, what to think about, where to go. But if everyone doesn't agree with us, the vast majority of the country, I can't expect to stay, quote unquote, in power. And how I respond to losing power is just as important to me as, as a keeping power in a Christ-like manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think we just let fear rule far too much. And I think we've been, a, I, I mean, I've, when I talk to people about it, who especially aren't Christians, I kind of talk about that I think we've become really comfortable because they will come to me like, mm. okay, so I know that this is what Jesus was about, that Jesus was about love. And then I see Christians doing this, like that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. And I really think that we've become super comfortable in this country. So then we've just completely forgotten actually what we're supposed to be about. Yeah. And this, our culture changing is going to force us to either own it and actually do what we're supposed to be doing or we're going to completely forget about it. Yeah. So, which is also something that Satan has done for so long and actually like with persecution and things. And that's actually what ends up bringing like crazy growth within the Christian realm. So yeah. it's so interesting. We respond the best when the thumb is pressed on us. Because we actually like have faith and we actually yeah. have to like have God be number one and focus yeah. on him and not ourselves and yeah. our own security and whatnot. Yeah. So I'm not welcoming persecution. I'm not super excited about it. You're not you like, know, woohoo, bring it on. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is awesome. At the same time, I'm going, all right, God, use this. Use it for your glory. Bring people to you. Help people realize this is crazy what we're doing right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're never promised it was going to be easy, but no. we've had it easy for quite a while. Yeah. If, well, I would say, if you're actually doing it right, it's not really easy, but yeah. So just kind of to like wrap up, um, we've talked a little bit about like what we should be focusing on and how we should be looking at our world. But are there any like last things that you really want to nail down for people as to like how we should be looking at our world, culture, nation, biblical perspective, worldview kind of thing, or what really should we be focusing on? Get out and vote. Save our culture. Stop. No, I'm totally kidding. No, I think I think the the thing that I would love to see the most from folks, especially college and young adult students. And so if you're leading a college ministry or if you are, you know, a college student or a young adult right now, listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I don't even agree with all that you guys are saying. So what do, what do I do first? Let's just start to think critically about everything. I would even say that about your church to a certain extent. I would hope for this more constructive criticism. But there's a lot of things that the local church can't accomplish unless people are passionate to do what God's word says. So if you don't feel like the immigrant or the local, you know, downtrodden are being taken care of well by your church, talk to your leadership about what you're excited about and passionate about and maybe start an initiative that moves us in that direction. People will jump on board a cause if they know what it is. The problem is you might be more open to something or know something that we don't even know as leadership of your church. And so it, it might be helpful just to have you rally and go, you know what? I, you know, I feel like there's way too many homeless in our town. We're not doing enough to take care of them. I would totally jump on board helping somebody put together, you know, a homeless feeding program or something like that just to show folks, yeah, we're all in. I may not even know about that because I'm dealing with 
all kinds of other issues within the church, trying to help them think that through. So I, my first thing, not really the, the go vote thing, but just if you're passionate about something, let your leadership know so that we can have a, a dialogue that opens up a, a doorway to have this discussion. Yeah, I think this is a great point because it could be that the reason the church is declining or struggling in the United States and that we're becoming post-Christian is because the generations even prior to mine and mine had rode on the coattails of the generations before them with faith and the things that they accomplished. And it's like, oh, cool, we're just going to coast along. We're going to keep doing what you're always doing. And then, and then you wonder, oh, wait a minute, what's happened? And partly it's because the mantle uh, has not been passed along or whatever, the baton has not been passed to younger people who are going to understand their culture better and figure out a great way to minister to it and and to just go for it in that regard. And um, boy, the worst thing a church body can do, a local church, is just kind of just say, okay, we've, we've been great, therefore we are great, and we're just going to keep doing what we've always done. And then you wonder, okay, well, wait a minute, why don't we seem fruitful anymore? Because uh, we used to be, and and it's because that mantle hasn't been passed or the new leaders have not risen up and said, hey, this is, might be how we minister in this environment. But one last thing I would say, too, and that is the nastier our culture gets, we don't play nasty. I think yeah. our, in, our, in our very being, within our sin nature, there is this desire to retaliate. If we're mocked, we want to mock back. If we want... You know, if people say things absurd, we want to point out how absurd it is or whatever, those kinds of things. Um, but we have to look at Christ as our model, and we've got, to be, we've got to be loving in the midst of this. We can love people without agreeing with sin. We can love people without affirming a sin. sin. We can affirm people even and love people, but we can't affirm the sin. But we don't have to be nasty about it. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago when, you know, Christians would— be in groups and they'd hold up signs of saying what God hates and or or who God hates, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I, I think to be drawn into the nastiness of our culture, that's what's so alarming to me in the last, well, it's, you know, 13 months or more, just how nasty people get. You, you, I wouldn't have thought that people in America are as nasty as they are. And uh, there's so much nastiness, and we can't play that game. No. We we can't be pulled down that, because then we're just we're just playing like the enemy plays, and we don't have to do that. Victory is not in that for us. We we've got to follow our leader Jesus and look at the model he set. And when he says you'll know them by their fruit, that's exactly what he's talking about. And so, who would you want to be known as, the child of the devil or the one that we're supposed to be following? And I think I love what you just said. And the only thing I would uh, add on to that for young adults and college students is this. Don't wait to be the church later. You are the church now. So just get involved. And if you're a part of a, of a, you know, a college ministry on your campus, I love that you're a part of that, whether it's IV or crew, you know, or NAV um, or any of the other, you know, I, I've met some really cool college leaders over the years who just started their own thing and it's, it's its own thing. Listen, I love that you're a part of a ministry on campus it is not the same as the local church. So you should be doing both. You should be assisting and leading your college local ministry on campus. That's a great way to learn how to minister. It's a great way to learn how to get involved in ministry. However, you are called to be a part of the local church at every phase of your life. So if you're not going somewhere on Sunday morning and assisting the local church in thinking how to think, 
right? And being a part of the, the, I would even say being a part of the leadership, having the audacity to really discuss these things and jump into the fray and say, I want to be a part of the discussions that we're having. Then you're, you're missing out on what the church, on what Christ was asking you to be a part of, which is the church. So I love those encouragements. That's where I would push you. And, and I've done this for students for years, you know, um, or students who are like, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be in this area, so I'm not sure I'm going to plug in. That's not an excuse. You plug in for as long as you are. Jesus was here for three years and made a pretty decent splash. I don't know if you've all noticed. I, the, <laughs> the world was forever changed by his three-year ministry. Uh, not saying he was only here for three years. You know, baby Jesus walking around on water and stuff. No, that'd be <laughs> weird. Uh, although an image in my head that's really fun to think about. So I'll stop now. So it just th- those three years, are, are they changed the world. And so if that's... If that's possible, if Jesus could set that example for us, then, you know, four years at a local institution or two years at a community college, you might be amazed at what God can use you for if you just plug in and do what God asks you to do. Mm -hmm. What do you have for closing thoughts? No, I think I think a lot of we've already kind of said a lot of it. I I think what Mark talked about with just not getting nasty is huge because I think we. As Christians, we have to remind ourselves that not everybody is Christian, so we can't be holding them to the same standards that we hold ourselves to. So to have fights with them about Mm. things that we find to be um, super important or that we find to be right, we can't we can't really have we can have discussions with them and we can talk with them about it. But having those fights about it, um, it just doesn't really make sense Mm. because they don't adhere to what we adhere to. Now, if it's a Christian, another fellow Christian, yeah, have that discussion and 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 ask questions and, and try to get them to see what they're supposed to see. But it's also having discussion. It's not, I want to be heard, so just listen to me. I'm not going to listen to anyone else. Um, yeah, just thinking of Jesus and how he he listened to people. He didn't just come and preach at them. He didn't just, you know, tell the woman at the well that she was doing a ton of things that are wrong. He first listened to her and yeah. So I think if we listened more than we spoke, I feel like that would help us a lot. That's very true. Some good words there. So hopefully this episode helps you out a little bit. Let us know if you have any thoughts, our opinions, and we've got email and whatnot. So yeah. If only we had more topics to talk about. Just this one. (laughs) Only one. All right, everybody. See you later. Bye.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.